Thank you, Brother Tianxing, for a kind and warm introduction. And good morning, everyone. It is indeed uh, a pleasure and a privilege to be able to stand before you this morning to share uh, God's Word with you. I thank uh, the leadership over at Eastside Congregation for extending the invitation uh, to me to preach uh, uh, today. And I think it was, uh, I was very impressed because uh, this invitation I extended way back uh, end of last year when Elvin uh, sent me a message. So you all have uh, prepared well in advance, which is uh, very good. It's also a learning point for me, even as I serve and labor in a lot of uh, vineyard that I prepare ahead and yes, ahead of time. Indeed, the love of God never fails. The love of God never ceases. And in life today, we are able to see love being demonstrated in various ways through people and even how God shows his love to us through his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And indeed it was the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on, our, on the cross, that all men have the hope of eternal life. And even within our own family, I have my, my two kids. The way they show their love for their parents is, is different. All right, And I, I'm always uh, heart-warmed when, whenever at a distance and, and they will see me and they will just run towards me and say, Daddy, and just hug me. So different people show love in, in different ways. And this morning, we will go back in time to the account whereby Jesus showed himself to his disciples for the third time after he resurrected. So in John 21, let us uh, open our Bibles to John 21, and we can just uh, keep our fingers at John 21, 15 to 17. But the context there, uh, prior to that, the disciples were actually out at sea and throughout the whole night, they caught nothing. So Jesus then told them to cast their net into the sea and their nets were subsequently full of fish. So Jesus then had a meal with his disciples, John 21, 1 to 14. And so read with me, if you will, John 21, 15 to 17 which will be our text for this morning. And we will draw some lessons from there, of course, using Peter as an example in his life, as an apostle, as one who denied Christ, and as one who subsequently grew and was a capable servant of the Lord. John 21, 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He, Jesus, said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. And in verse 17, He said unto him the third time, Simon, Son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, 
Thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. So this was a conversation between Jesus and Peter. And I know that today is Friendship Sunday when we will have visitors in our midst. And uh, whether is it uh, present today or uh, watching the live stream. But I want to approach this in a different manner today and looking at uh, discipleship and how Peter, a worthy disciple of Christ, his life and what we can learn in his love for Christ and what is expected as a disciple of Christ. So Peter followed Christ. Peter was one who was, uh, some say, uh, part of the inner circle together with John and James. And Peter heard his teachings, saw him perform many miracles. If we can recall, some of them would include uh, the feeding of the 5,000 men and uh, uh, raising of uh, Jairus' daughter and also even healing of his own mother-in-law. And we have the account in Matthew 8, 14 to 15, whereby Matthew recorded that Jesus went to Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law sick, touch her hand, and subsequently the fever left her. So all these things, Jesus, uh, Peter was an eyewitness. Peter saw this, and we will assume that being uh, a, a first-hand a person who first-hand witnessed all these accounts, he would have great faith in the Lord. And throughout his discipleship, Peter would have much learning and building of faith from Jesus. And his faith was so great that we can see then in Matthew 16, 16, whereby Peter confessed the deity and Peter confessed the divinity of our Lord. He confessed his faith. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 16. And this was in response to Jesus asking his disciples, Who do you say I am? And some of his disciples said, uh, some said that he is uh, uh, John the Baptist. Some said uh, he is uh, the prophet uh, uh, Elijah. That's right. Thank you. And so then then, uh, Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And that was when uh, Peter said, Thou art the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we also have in John 13, 37, whereby Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my, li- my life for thy sake. This was in response to Jesus saying that, preparing his disciples, that he will have to go to the cross, he will have to die. And we have here Peter saying that he will lay down his life for Jesus' sake. And that was the love that Peter had for Christ. That was the love of a disciple for his master, which is exhibited through his words, through his conviction at that point in time. And we have a parallel account in Luke 23:33, whereby Peter said to, to Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And we think about us today. We have Peter, if we reflect on, on what was recorded uh, for us in the scriptures, that Peter actually went to such an extent that he believed in Christ and so he was willing to go with Christ both into prison and to death. That was his uh, confession 
And that was his confidence and his conviction as well. And another parallel account in Matthew 26, 34 to 35. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, truly I say unto you, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. But we have Peter saying unto Jesus, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. And likewise also said all the other disciples. So we have Peter and the other disciples saying that, No, even if uh, uh, all this is going to happen, they will die with Jesus and, and they will not uh, deny Jesus, as what Peter has said. Now, we have also a demonstration of Peter's faith in John 18.10, whereby Peter, he, he had a sword when uh, the Jews came. And uh, on the night in John 18.10, right, after Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, whereby the Jews came to take hold of Jesus and arrest him in that sense, we have Simon Peter drawing a sword and cut off uh, the ear of Malchus's, Mal Malchus. All right? And so this servant's name was Malchus, and it is only in a John account that it was revealed to us, not in uh, the other gospel accounts. But we have Simon Peter here demonstrating this uh, great faith all right, in, in Jesus. And of course, our text for today in John 21, 15 to 17, whereby Simon said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Verse 15. Verse 16. Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Third time. Verse 17. Simon was grieved because Christ asked him for the third time. He said, Lord, thou knowest all things. He recognized Jesus' omniscience. That Jesus knows everything. And so Jesus will know that he loves him. Lo loved him. So we have love. And, and the Greek word love, there are several uh, uh, Greek words being used for love. And in this context over here, we have three times Jesus said, uh, lovest thou me. And we have in verse 15 and 16, Jesus actually used uh, the word, uh, the Greek word agapao. All right. But we have interestingly, Peter responding in phileo love, the Greek word phileo, instead of uh, agape. So when we have agapao love, it is a love which is uh, deep and uh, it is a love whereby uh, there is selflessness and it acts in the best interest of others. All right, that is agapao and agape. And will there be emotions in it? Yes. In the process, there will be emotions in it. But agapao or agape love does not mean that because you have uh, dislike for someone, you will not extend that love to someone. That's not agape love. Because Jesus did say to, to love your enemies, to, to pray for your enemies. So this love here, goes beyond that. It is where a, a love whereby you think in the interest of others and you will put others above yourself. And that is agapao. And if we take a look at phileo love, which Peter responded, 
And this phileo love is a love for one another, a kind of uh, brotherly love. It is a love of uh, shared experience, a friendship love. And so this is a love which uh, one will have with his closest friends. And that's what we call brotherly kindness or brotherly love. So agape love or agapao is a love which is selfless. It's a love that acts in the interest of others. It is unconditional love, John 3, 16. And Peter says here, thou knowest that I love thee three times. So the question then is, how convicted are we of our faith? Whether we are a visitor, a non-Christian who has just studied about uh, God, about the Bible, about what God, what Jesus has done for us, how convicted are we of our faith, of our belief, that will prompt us to make the next step to submit ourselves in obedience to God? And even as most of us are Christians over here, how convicted then of our faith that we will always put God above ourselves and make sure that we prioritize well. We take a look then now at the cost and also the conduct. In John 8, 31, Then said Jesus to those who believe on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples in it. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth will definitely make one free from the bondage of sin. And we also have in Luke 9, 23 to 25, whereby Jesus said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall, shall uh, lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantage? What, what does a man profit? if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away. We have here the cause of discipleship. And in, in my work in uh, restoration with, uh, with uh, Christians, it is very sad when sometimes uh, we have Christians reaching to a point whereby uh, they are unstable in their faith. They start exhibiting signs of uh, losing their faith and disinterest. Uh, it may start with uh, missing Bible classes. Then it may start with uh, missing worship services. And so it is something which, which is of a concern and, and there are red flags. And even for some, some brethren, and uh, sadly, that uh, when uh, restoration work is being done and, and then uh, the question then comes, or rather the response then, then is, I am questioning my faith, whether my faith back then was that of my own or my parents, or was it as a result of peer pressure? And so when we take a look at what Jesus said here in Luke 9, 23 to 25, that there is a cost. And that when one decides to follow Christ, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross daily, which means to put oneself to death daily, to follow after Christ, not your own desires, not your own needs, but is 
what Christ, what God wants us to do. That is being a, a disciple of, of Christ and him being our master. And of course, in Luke, 20, uh, Luke 9, 24 and 25, what does it profit one if you have everything in this world, but you will lose your soul? And so Jesus was, was very clear about this. And so for those who are brethren, who are Christians, it is indeed a sobering reminder as we consider what Jesus asked and what he said, that we look at ourselves and reflect our, upon our lives, that have we made it a point to put ourselves daily and to count the cost of discipleship. And a parallel account in John 12, 25 to 26, Jesus also said that he that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. And he went on by saying, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. And of course, then a very difficult saying in Luke uh, 14, 26 to 27, whereby Jesus said that uh, if anyone uh, comes to him and hates not his father, mother, wife, children, brethren and sisters, and his own life, he cannot be Jesus' disciple. This is truly a very difficult thing. And we, we have had uh, um, visitors who couldn't uh, commit themselves because the family members were standing in a way, because they were afraid of offending their parents because of filial piety. And so there is a cost. And Peter knew of that cost when he dropped everything and, and followed Christ. And we also have Jesus saying in John 13, 34 to 35, that ye love one another, and because of what you do, because of your conduct, that people will know that you are my disciples. And so as a result, people will be drawn to Christ as a result of the conduct of disciples. And we are familiar then with John 14, 15, whereby Jesus said, if ye love me, Keep my commandments. And so we take a look at Peter's conduct before the resurrection. We have in Matthew 26, 58, all the way to 72 or 74. And in this account over here, we have Jesus uh, standing before uh, the, the Sanhedrin, before the council. And we have Peter denying Jesus not one time, but a total of three times. So the first time was, was when he denied he was with Christ, when the dancer claimed that uh, she saw him there, Matthew 26, 69 to 70. And the second time, he denied his relationship with Jesus under oath to another maid, Matthew 26, 71 to 72. And the third time, Peter cursed, Peter swore, and he denied when the servants and the officers said Peter was a Galilean and he was with Jesus. Matthew 26, 73 to 74. And this was something which was very sad. Because bearing in mind earlier what I said about Peter confessing in Matthew 16, 16, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter also said that even though he must go uh, to death, he, even if he shall die, he will go to prison with Christ. He will also die. But now, 
he is he is denying Christ three times. And in Luke 22, 61 to 62, the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. So Peter, who once professed, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and unto death. Now denied Christ three times. And Lord, let us not forget also that Jesus told Peter that you will deny me three times. But Peter said, though I should die with thee, yet will I de not deny thee. Matthew 26, 34 to 35. How sad that such a thing happened even though Peter was supposedly convicted. He was strong in the faith. He had seen all the miracles that were performed. And we move then on to John 21, 15 to 17. Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep. In verse 15, feed Bosco. Feed my lambs, those who are, who are possibly young in the faith, those uh, uh, who need uh, nurturing, who need uh, feeding, constant uh, uh, edifying of the word, just like how one will carry a baby and make sure that uh, the baby has, has milk. So uh, feeding my sheep, Bosco, feeding my lambs, you, you nurture a young Christian, you grow them and you tend to them. And in verse 16, when Jesus said, feed my sheep, he uses a different Greek word over here, poimanio, sorry, poimanino, all right? And this gives a, a sense of uh, Jesus telling Peter, when you feed my sheep, you as a shepherd, you tend, as how a shepherd would uh, tend to the sheep, you look after them, you, you have oversight of them, you oversee them, you are a superintendent. And that is what uh, Jesus is saying. So you teach my sheep over here. And in verse 17, Jesus repeated, feed my sheep, Bosco, Probadon, uh, sheep. So we have uh, sheep that are lambs, sheep that are grown. Jesus said, you, if you love me, which Peter said he does, you feed my sheep, you tend to them, you nurture them, you grow them, you have oversight of them, you oversee them. And we have a change in Peter over here, which we will be able to see. That is conduct. He has grown. We have in Acts 2, 14 to 41, and how on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached boldly, convicting the Jews, telling them that they were the ones who put Jesus on the cross. And so 3,000 repented. And we have in 1 Peter 5, 1, whereby Peter was an elder. And he exhorted other elders because he was a witness of the suffering of Christ and he was a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And we think about this when Peter said, we think about the qualifications of elders as listed in 1 Timothy 3, 1-7, whereby one must desire the work of eldership, one must be blameless, one must be sober, one must be of good behavior, one must be vigilant, hospitable, apt to teach, not striker, not given, not guilty of filthy lucre, patient, 
not a brawler, not covetous. These are the qualifications of an elder. And not forgetting that Peter cut off Marcus's ear. But now he is an elder. Peter has grown. Peter denied Christ, but now he is an elder. And so even for, for Christians today, we may have ups and downs in our, in our spiritual journey. Peter had a down moment. He had a spiritual low whereby he denied Christ. But he had godly sorrow when Christ looked at him, turned back and looked at him. The moment he denied him the third time and the rooster crowed, the cock crowed, Peter had godly sorrow. He repented and he grew. Peter knew the importance of growing spiritually and of being a disciple of Christ. And we can know that in his epistles of First Peter and Second Peter. And not forgetting in 2 Peter 1, 5 to 8, whereby he said, giving this, uh, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity, which is love, agape. And Peter said in 2 Peter 1, 8, for if these things, these virtues, these qualities be in you, not only in you, but they abound. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the question then is, how conscious are we of our life? Have we put ourselves to death on a daily basis? How conscious, how mindful are we of our words and of our promises? Noting that Peter said that of Peter's confession and of what he said to Christ and how about us as Christians not forgetting we we actually uh, confessed Christ on the day of our baptism we made an oath in that sense that we will be disciples of Christ he will be our master and henceforth we leave the old man behind and as we rise up from the watery gaze of baptism, we are a new man, a new creature in Christ. And so our life must be different from the old man. That was the promise that we made. And as visitors, we need to be visitors, we need to be mindful also of the promise if you decide to submit yourself to Christ in obedience to Him that there is a promise that needs to be kept. And even if, as a Christian, we sin, what then is our conduct after we make mistakes and we sin? Do we leave Christ? Do we leave God? Do we wallow in uh, self-pity, self-denial, or do we make it right? Judas Iscariot also betrayed a lot. But he didn't make it right. He was sorrowful, but he went to hang himself. But Peter was sorrowful and Peter made it right. So there's a comparison that we have over there. And so the question then, lovest thou me more than this? What are these? Some have said that these refer to those uh, food and the things that, that were present after, uh, which, which because uh, knowing the context, 
that Jesus was having a meal with uh, his disciples. So some have said that these refer to those things. Some have said that these refer to Jesus asking uh, Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples? But that is what we can gain from the context that Jesus only said this. I tend to uh, understand it as uh, uh, Jesus asking Peter, do you love me more than all these things in the world? The people, whatever food that you have had, eaten, do you love me more than all this, such that you will commit your life to me? And so do we love Christ? Do we love God more than our family? You can cross-reference that to Matthew 10, 37. Do we desire the praise of God? That on a day of judgment, he will say, Come ye, enter into heaven and be with me. Or do we enjoy the praise of men? John 12, 42 to 43. Or do we enjoy the pleasures of life such that we forget of the cause of discipleship and our duties required as a Christian? Lovest thou me more than this? Even though Peter claimed that he loved Christ, he denied Christ previously. He fell. He was on a spiritual low. But he repented. He changed. He was qualified to be an elder. He was an elder. And he didn't stop there. He wrote. He exhorted brethren. And he grew spiritually. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And this wasn't said just in the New Testament, but even in Old Testament times, when the Lord God spoke to Moses and to the patriarchs, and that was required. As we end off for this morning, a question that Jesus asked, Lovest thou me more than this? It is a question that is very important, whether we are Christians, whether we are brethren, or whether we are visiting and start visiting the congregation and studying God's word. It is a question that is personal. It is not whether my spouse loves Christ, loves God or not, or my children, but it's me. It's a question directed to myself. It is personal. It is a question that is searching because we need to answer it for ourselves. It is a question that is revealing because it reveals our love for God, our true intent, our desire for God and His Word, our desire to seek after the things eternal and spiritual, not the things of the world. Because if we claim that we love God, it will be reflected in our thoughts, our speech, and our actions, as what Peter did. It is demanding. It comes with a price. It comes with a cost. Loving God, loving Christ comes with a cost. The Christian faith is not a convenient religion. It is not something that is easy. There is labor involved. It is prioritizing because in life, we are faced with challenges, we are faced with struggles. Do we place God first? Do we place Christ first? 
Or is it the pleasures of this life? Is it our family? Not saying that we must neglect our family. No, that's not what I'm saying. But we need to remember that we need to place God first. It is evangelistic. Because if we love Christ, we will keep His commandments. And His commandments will include uh, the Great Commissions. In Matthew 26, oh, sorry, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. And so, we can't choose to just obey certain commandments and not obey certain commandments, but we have to obey all. Lovers doubt me more than this. It is a question that is timely. Because if any one of us needs encouragement, it is time that we love, we ask ourselves, how much do we love God? How faithful are we? And if we are, let the uh, leadership over here know that we need prayers, we need encouragement for brethren, that all may come together and pray and encourage you. And for the visitors who are in the midst, it is a timely question because we never know when Christ will come again. And he comes again not as a savior, but he comes again as a judge. And we don't want to delay yourself because we never know when Christ will come again. And a question, lovers doubt me more than this, is applicable both for Christians and for the visitors who are in our midst today. Will you then come as we stand and sing the invitation hymn for this morning? Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansion, bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing there will be when we all see jesus we'll sing and shout the victory while we walk the pilgrim pathway clouds will overspread the sky but when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sign. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, We'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toss of life repay. When we all Get to heaven, 
What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory.